When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Friday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. And this is a special edition where we're just going to review last season's Scottish Cup semi-finals, which we're excitable about seeing this weekend. And I'm very fortunate to be joined by Aberdeen fanatic Tom Watt. Hello. Also another Hearts fan, our own personal and lovely Robert Borthwick. Hello, Tony. Hello, Robert. Hello. And very kindly, a special guest... Twitter's very own Stevie Din. Welcome, and our Celtic man. How are you doing, Stevie? Michelle, Tony. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thanks very much for joining us. That's great. It's great. Before we go into sort of reviewing these semi-finals, Stevie, I was hoping we've not had a Celtic fan on for a while, and I'll be honest, we've been sitting here, most of us giving Celtic quite a lot of stick over the last four to six weeks, maybe even a bit longer than that. And we also had, had Adam Thornton for Heart and Hand on, uh, reviewing the last Celtic, Aberdeen Celtic game at the weekend. And obviously he had plenty to say, as you'd imagine. So I was hoping that you maybe could come with a rebuttal and maybe a defence, unless, of course, you agree with all the criticism. Stevie, how do you think it's going? First off, I'm gutted that I wasn't given a platform in heart and hand. I'd have loved to have been talking about that with our Angels fan. That's what I seem to do. Day in, day out, Tony. <laughs> no, I, I, I do think my views on the way Celtic are as a club now, I think I'm pretty fair and balanced with it when I write on TJD's blog about it, Tony. I'm not one of these people who screams and balls um, and goes into a rage you know, after defeats. I'm disappointed in that. Um, and I do always feel by default... But even last night in Lille, right? I mean, it was a respectable to each draw. But see, before the game, I think it's because automatically in my head, I look at Celtic's resources, where they are as a club. The fucking merchandise deal they've got at the stadium, everything that comes with Celtic, they are a big club, right? Now, internally, they act so small, though. And I've heard so many stories that I won't air on here because you'll have lawyers after you. But generally, I do feel the club did deserve criticism on the park, definitely, for... The start of the season, it's just not been good enough for the football, Tony. It's been really sluggish. Um, it's laborious to watch. They've had about, I would say, 90 minutes of good football all season, which was this game against Hamilton Aggies in the second half against Sibs. See, apart from that, it's been unacceptable. Now, they have got away with it because they've been grinding out results. But that did come to an end um, when Rangers completely bodied us. Milan too. And thrown away leads against Aberdeen and Leo as well isn't the Celtic that I'm used to seeing and I do think last night though while there's still definite, definite uh, problems 
such as the fitness for what I was seeing in the second half was deplorable. I am getting into the game on Sunday thinking the Celtic that I know how they can operate under Neil Lennon are going to be back. And I think, to use the words of Thomas Commentator, they'll be back with a bang. Here we go. Happy days. Um, so where do you... So obviously you're talking about the club as a whole that you don't think they may be taking advantage of the sort of period of domination to grow exponentially as, as, a, as maybe a European force and sort of for years and years and years of total domination in Scottish football. But I'm interested to know, where, where, does, where does Neil Lennon lie in your criticism of this season? I think Neil Lennon initially, first off, came in to steady a ship, which Brendan, I mean, Brendan Rodgers jumped off that boat that was going to the iceberg. Neil Lennon got on it, steadied it, and it really should have been going to a young, optimistic manager with a vision for the future. It didn't go that way because uh, often Neil Lennon the job in the shower after beating Hearts at Hamden, and then Peter Lawwell coming out and just proudly saying, oh, I'll get 40 other CVs, but I just chucked them in the bin unread. You're like, Total disrespect, because the amount of calibre, just for talking's sake, say Luciano Spalletti put his name in the ring for that job last year. I mean, this uh, a fantastic manager. Uh, over the years, has played fantastic football with his clubs. And he's just went, mm, that could have been in the pile. I'll go with what I know when he'll win. It seems very much like a pals act. And Celtic, when you look at the size of the club, as I've already said, the, they are the biggest club in Scotland, I feel. Um, and they have been for some time. And when you look at the gap with Angels, it's getting smaller and smaller. Under Brendan Rodgers, right, in Europe, and I was constantly saying that we were awful in Europe, and the results, okay, we were getting hammered right under in the first year, and then the second year, and then in his third season, we failed to even qualify for the Champions League, but then we were getting bodied in the Europa League. And it's almost as if we just thought to ourselves, well, as long as we're just this close ahead of Rangers, as long as we're just scraping by, and it just seemed to become, we'll, we'll put the 10, 10 in a row ahead of everything instead of mm-hmm. European progression. What I'll refer to is uh, a team like Atalanta, right? In the doldrums, uh, in Syria, mid-table for years, they adopted a progressive sort of approach, and over the years they've seen the, um, the rewards for it, and they're now one of the most something club, up-and-coming clubs in Europe. And I wouldn't say Celtic are anywhere near that. I think Celtic are in serious danger European wise of turning into a sleeping giant. Yeah, they've got you have all the you've had all the opportunities in the world um to sort of progress in in a way where there was no fear of failure, really. Um and obviously Brendan Rogers, what do you think the problem was with, with Rogers in terms of Europe? Do you think that's maybe stung Lowell uh, and thought, well, even if our young progressive coach if you like, I'll, I'll refer to that as Rogers, he hasn't even been able to really progress us into Europe. So Jinkies maybe maybe toys at the pram, that's maybe not gonna happen for us and let's concentrate on the ten or or and, and, and also and our second part of that question, do you think that what Lawwell said and done with those applications that he spoke about, do you think that will have a knock-on effect the next time that Celtic go looking for managers? Probably not, and uh, to answer your second point, I don't think so, because managers are always wanting to look out for themselves at the end mm-hmm. of the day, and it's a paycheck for them, isn't it? and they'll see that and they'll go, Celtic can offer me a bit of money and security. So I don't think that will have too much in effect. If you're a manager in football, you've probably dealt with some awful people, um, agents, uh, all the way to like chairman and all that. So I don't think a guy like Peter Lowell, even in the grand scheme of things, is going to be a problem for like top managers. Um, in terms of Brendan Rodgers, I think he had a vision for Celtic where he wanted to no doubt overspend. Um, now I heard, the, I heard that he was looking to get a private jet built for Celtic so that we didn't always need to go through. He, he wanted to become a, a, an English Premiership team, but you know, on a Scottish budget. Mm-hmm. He wanted Celtic to have all the facilities of, say, an Arsenal uh, and a Chelsea. But I don't think Celtic were at that, you know, at quite at that level. Um, I believe the budget that he was looking to spend for it was well out of Lowell's death. I'd, I'd assume he's probably had a fight with Lowell about it. Um, and Lowell being the arrogant narcissist that he is, against an arrogant narcissist like Rogers, it's probably just came ahead in that respect. Um, and Lowell thought, I can't, be, I can't be dealing with another personality like him. I'll go with what I know. I'll go with Neil Lennon. It's a safe cho- choice. And then that is where we are now. 
yeah, I suppose you're you're always going to get. I think with Neil Lennon, he can be problematic. I think, but you certainly always know where you stand with Neil Lennon. It's never. I don't think there's going to be many blurred lines with with a guy like that. Um, I'll give him his due. He, he, he hasn't went hiding during all this. You know, he hasn't went hiding feeling sorry for himself or anything. He had still came out swinging. Um, and well, he certainly did. All, we, we did come out swinging last. Like during the week there, he, his interview was really quite telling. I was a wee bit shocked to see it myself. I wasn't. I was trying to work out if I felt it was smart. Is he really just? Is he bringing more more sort of pressure on himself by talking like that, or is he trying to maybe create a sort of siege mentality? I don't know. It's uh, time will tell. What do you, I'll, I'll come? To just a more general question to finish it up before we move on to the actual games. Um, how do you see the rest of the season going? I know that's a, a big thing to ask in such a small period, but where do you think you're going? Do you think Neil Lennon will see out the season firstly, win the league, and and then also further on next season, do you see Neil Lennon being the manager next season? I think he'll see out the season because I've seen Celtic in the worst position start of 2011-2012 when even, like, who was it? The Hearts game, 2-0 game, October 2011, Scatchel and Stevenson, I think. And that was, that was I thought... It's a positive it was, knobs to Robert Borthwick there, Celtic. of course. <laughs> yeah, Robert of course knows uh, any any hearts defeat. Robert knows that I've got it right in my napper. It seems to sting very much. But that's that start to the season was Lennon's worst, and I you thought we couldn't possibly go any lower. Now bear in mind that you look at our Celtic are just now, and you look at the recruitment we've got. And at that point, I believe we ended up going nine adrift at Rangers at that time. We're still, you know, only six points behind the big game in hand. Uh-huh. And as far as the rest of the season goes, I think we've just got too much quality to be going stale or being stale on the pitch. And I do think we'll lift it. I mean, last night was a lot of positives I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, guys like you know, the Prophet Muhammad El Yerusi was just incredible. He was brilliant. And I think if guys like him can show form for the rest of the season, even just in the wee snippets here and there, he, we've got too many game changers, to be honest, Tony. No, and no. I just... I, to- I, I just, totally agree. I honestly just can't. I, I think I totally in terms of winning the league, yep. 50-50. And is that, that, that's, I, mean, I suppose you can look at that's a lot to do with Rangers. They have had a stark improvement. There's no, there's no hiding for that. But I agree. I'd say me and Tom, was, um, obviously I spoke to Tom last week after the games and I said I was talking to Celtic Aberdeen. Celtic, Craig Fowler as well is really positive that Celtic will naturally just improve over time. And I still would be of the agreement that Celtic probably do still have more match winners than Rangers, even though Rangers have spent big going forward. There's still a lot of unproven, unproven things in that environment. So I can still see why there would be positivity that Celtic can go on and win it. But um, I'd say Elianus is such a huge... He was like the, sort of the main signing, you would argue, for the summer. And he's not had a really great start. But see, these moments, a, a big game in France, that can have such a massive knock-on effect. So... Yeah, I can see why there's still be positivity, and that's why. And lastly, Shane Duffy. I mean, we, I'm going to, before we go any further, um, what's your take on Shane Duffy? Sorry, I will bring everyone else into this soon. I'm just really interested because we've really not had any point of view coming from a Celtic man on the podcast for quite a while, and we've been panning, well, I've been panning Shane Duffy, if I'm being brutally honest. I think his criticisms uh, warranted. He's been poor. And again, when he was signed, he's a player who is like a backs-to-the-wall player. If you don't have possession, um, if you're a team that play in your own half, he's great for that. That's not Celtic. We are such a high-line team. We've got the ball so much. His distribution's absolutely garbage. Um, I think Lennon will stick by him because we've had players like Daniel Mistorovic who came in for so much criticism at the start of his Celtic career. He was you know, meant to be a big physical command and defender. He had a torrid six-month and then it was only after the winter break of 2011 2010-2011 season but he came into his own a bit and he settled I think Len is just learning from players like that and he'll give Duffy a run until yeah I'll get his next goal up I think the next mistake for Duffy it will be a case of you know when is Julian going to be back or that mm-hmm. so I do think the criticism has been warranted I can't sit here and defend him or that but I also do think a lot of people need to get a grip and give the guy a wee bit more time as well because some of the stuff you're seeing for, like, on, on social media and yeah. all that is the guys, I mean, it's, it's a drastic change for moving to Brighton to Celtic, two different styles and all that. Um, and blame was probably a lie more with the coaching because what's been told to do on the pitch compared to 
what, what he was brought in to do. Um, mm-hmm. I would I would dare say Lennon sort of, if he's going to stick by him, then I'll have to just support him. But I, the criticism has been wanted, um, and I can't sit here and make excuses. It's not been good enough, but I do have hope that hopefully if he's in the middle, we, if, if he does go to a back three again, and he has Julian and Ayer next to him and he's in the middle, Maybe we'll see a bit of an improvement, but yeah, because Julian is probably more more comfortable taking the ball as as Iron is. And no, but I'm glad because you 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 agree with me pretty much. I thought it was just a a signing that didn't make sense, rather than I'm overly critical of Duffy. And I think his confidence is taking a hit. And now we're seeing sort of mistakes that we are not used to seeing of a player of that caliber. But I would assume you're you're right in terms of show some faith and a guy of that quality will eventually come good but thanks Stevie right Tom I might as well we might as well stick with this how are you for a start Tom sorry I've uh, I've been good, sucking up Stevie's good, arse you. On you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah all good yeah it's uh, it's Friday whether you, I don't know when you're listening to this but it's Friday at the moment so it's uh, it's a dark Friday evening and uh, Rob's looking tucked up in bed and very happy and it's lovely to see everyone having not seen anyone at all this week so all good lovely stuff right Tom are you your excitement levels did they go up uh, about the semi-final after the game last Sunday and on turn did Celtic's performance in Lille maybe calm you down a bit if you like um, a bit. I, I mean, I think it's it's tough having back-to-back games. Like you, you almost feel like if you've got back-to-back games, you're going to get something out of one of them. You're not going to get anything out of both. So there was almost a wee bit of like, you know, maybe we should have taken the money and run last week. But I think the, the performance in the two and like for, for me, the big positive is all the questions around Aberdeen this some uh, this weekend are they're all quite positive it's like well who'll who'll play wing back um who will 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 sam cosgrove come back in but generally speaking we know what the formation will be we know who who most of like nine of the 11 will be they've been playing well they caused an awful lot of problems last weekend and i think they're there aren't a huge amount of, you know, there, there, there are the, the issues, the questions around the, the selection are all generally, is it going to be like for like? Whereas I think there are an awful lot of questions around the Celtic lineup, the Celtic uh, formation, who, I mean, even things like, like previously it was always like, oh, here we go again. Scott Brown's going to stroll it against us. But he, he was a problem for Celtic last weekend. He, he was, you know, he was arguably lucky to stay on the pitch. He got rinsed out by Scott Wright for the for the equalising goal. Um, and for once, for the first time in a couple of years, I think it's not just a case of Celtic field their best 11. I think we've actually got an 11 that, that Neil Lennon might need to think about. Um, and and like McInnes has hasn't had a great record against Celtic in in recent years. I think overall, over his tenure, he's probably had a, a, a probably won more than most. But most of them were at the start of his um, at the start of his time. But his record against Neil Lennon is good, um, regardless of whether it was a you know whether he was in charge of Celtic or, or or Hibs. So I think there are there are reasons to be optimistic, and I think that while last the last weekend's game was weird in that you kind of feel like we were we were kind of left feeling relieved that we got something out of it that the performance deserved but also disappointed not to win having um you know given given where we we got ourselves to uh, there were obvious frailties in the Celtic team that weren't just there weren't it wasn't just self-imposed. I mean, there, there there are question marks I think over who starts and goals, and I think arguably we've got a better goalkeeper than either of Celtic's options at the moment. I think there are question marks at the back, especially if it sounds like Ayer might be a doubt. Duffy's had a torrid time, and and partly that's been through his own form, but also he was caused a lot of problems last weekend. So I, I, I think it's not, certainly on the evidence of last weekend, it wasn't just that the Celtic team's not quite where they have been in previous years yet, but also we posed some questions. Right, and I th- Tom, Tom, sorry, can I, can I interject and talk about, obviously you know about these decisions. Uh, I was hoping to get an idea of what you felt you would go for if you were in the hot seat. So um, 
last week uh, was Ed Bunston was played in the central role and they brought Watkins out wide, which was uh, a change from the norm uh, of this season for Aberdeen because um, Watkins has been playing in the central role. Do you, and obviously Scott Wright being on the bench, what would you do? So do you, do you think it's an absolute given that Cosgrove's back in and he uh, will no. go directly? No. No, I, I, I mean, I think there's what I would do and what I think McInnes would do. I, I personally would start Scott Wright because I thought in 30-odd minutes mm-hmm. he was sensationally good. Um, and the way him and Ryan Hedges are playing together, they, they've got an understanding that, that I, I, don't, I can't remember a couple of players that play the way that they, they have this season. They, they seem to really enjoy playing together. Um, but McInnes does seem to like in these games... I mean, he he did it in Europe as well, using him as, a, as an impact sub, maybe when there's a sl- slightly ty- more tired legs. Personally, I think the way that this, the Celtic defence has been and the, the nerves there, the, the potential nervousness there has been, even though the, you know, the, the Lille result was a credible result, the, it didn't necessarily answer the critics, so the, there is potentially some nervousness around there. I would be on the front foot and start Scott Wright because I think if we're starting our best eleven, he's in it. I would pers- that mean would that mean that you would play um, Scott Wright, Hedges, and Watkins in, or would you play Scott Wright, Hedges, and Cosgrove? I, I would play Hedges, Watkins, and and, um, and Wright because I think that's been the best we've got so far. I think Edmondson's been good, um, but he you know he's young and only in flashes and and. And Cosgrove has only really got back into fitness in, in the last two weeks or so. I, but personally, I think he will, he'll start Edmondson and Cosgrove will be on the bench. Okay. I think he'll, he'll go for the big striker if he can. And, uh, yeah. and what about uh, so the wing-back? Do you see Logan coming back in and McCrory maybe being moved central uh, with obviously McGeoch's injury? That groin's gone again. And uh, maybe bring and or would you see Ojo maybe coming in and McCrory holding out and playing on that right wing back role or McLaren starting again? I mean Aberdeen. I've spoken about this numerous times. They have bucket loads of options, even more more than I've ever known an Aberdeen team to have. Really? Yeah. I mean, at the start of the season, it was like, how do we accommodate seven wingers? And they're like, oh, all right. So we just play them all. That's that's how we do it, pretty much. Um, I I. I mean, I would like it. To, I'd like McCrory to be in the middle, and it to be that either McLennan's been good as a wing back, or, or even Kennedy's coming back and has been fit and was good there at the start of the season. Um, so e- either of them wide, and I guess McCrory would would go central would make more sense. Right, Stevie, what do you? What would you say your biggest fears for Celtic are? from Aberdeen or your personal fears of what what do you what scares you in that Aberdeen team going into this game? What scares me most about Celtic now is just ourselves and how we will set up because we seem to be our own worst enemy. Um in the Aberdeen team, I think I've noticed Aberdeen are certainly a lot more mobile this season than what they used to be um anytime in the past. And I think when Wright came on, his quickness and his directness really troubled us. Um and I think if he starts and we don't contain him on Sunday, if we basically let Aberdeen get in the front foot again, um, I think that's going to be a problem for us. I think as well, it depends how many of the 11 last, who played last night start on Sunday because we were chasing the ball all second mm-hmm. half. You're not just talking about for like 20 minutes here and there. As soon as that second half kicked off, we were chasing the ball um, and we looked done in with mm-hmm. 10, 15 minutes to go. A bit of, I know that generally they're professionals and they're athletes, right? But there also will be, at this point in the season, in the run that we've had, there will be fatigue kicking them. And I do think that we're going to have to, I think, start Edward tomorrow mm-hmm. because a Yeti put in some shift last night. Um, I think this is a game for Edward to now kick in and turn up for the season too. And mm-hmm. I think he has to be the, be the man up front for us. No, I totally agree. I think Ajeti was, but that was his best game. I mean, Ajeti's had an impact, but uh, I'm not sure you'd agree. I've always thought he's, he's, he's not really been overly involved. It's been more his attribute of being a proper penalty box player and a bit mm-hmm. physical that's got him his goals. But last night we saw him as a rounded player going out wide, linking up well. Well, you knew see a lot in the first half, especially. And then uh, that goal, uh, the sort of flick tail, you knew see was absolutely outstanding. Um, 
would you be going back? Would you be back four or back three? And then lastly, Bain or Barkas, Stevie? Back, back four all the way. I mean, it has to be back four. Um, the last couple, I mean, the back three against Rangers and Milan, we were hopeless and there was no rhythm. There was no structure, no fluidity, at least for the back four. There's been, we've been vulnerable. But you can see a pattern and a bit of fluidity again. Um, and that's all you're looking for now. So I think I'll have to stick with the back four for us. Um, and it, I would go with Bain, just for consistency. Mm. We're chopping changing the goalkeepers. I saw what that goes like with Celtic in 0405 when we went between Marshall, Hedman and Douglas every two or three games. The defence got worse. There was no confidence. The goalkeepers had clanger after clanger. Bain could have cost us last night even more than what he did, but the guy saved a penalty. And frankly, I don't even think Barkas would have got near it. I would say Scott Bain, even though I'm personally not a big fan of him. I think, and, and I think Tom's right. Aberdeen have got it's so strange. Aberdeen have got a better goalkeeper um, than any of Celtics, but it would be. I think I'd have to go with Bain. I would. I would. I'd probably prefer the back four as well because I'd worry about um, Celtic ending up with a bit of lack of mobility with some of the centre halves as well, ending up going man for man against uh, Aberdeen's front three. I think that could be a recipe for disaster as well. But before we move on, Tom, what's your What's your shout? What's the result going to be? How's it going to go? I'm going to say uh, Aberdeen 2-1. Good man. I'm pleased. And Stevie, right, what's it going to be? What's the final score going to be? How do you see it? You're asking me for a shoot prediction. I think it will be Celtic 2, Aberdeen 1. But there we go. definitely not going to be easy for us. Right, perfect. Right, Robert, Bobby Bloody Borthwick. I'm sorry, I've totally ignored you for what feels like about half an hour there. How are you for a start? I just want to start, Tony, by saying this this isn't why I listen to this podcast. See all this Celtic pish, all this Rangers pish. Don't want to listen about the old firm in this podcast. That's not why I listen to this podcast. I listen to this podcast for the little teams. That's very... That's that's for the rest of us. I'm sorry, that's very true because I have sat uh, and discussed sort of Rangers at length and Celtic for an hour. We had him on, on Monday and now we've brought Stevie on. They have their place as well. We can't just ignore them, Robert. They get covered enough in the mainstream media, Tony. That's why this podcast exists, all right? That's I, can't all help, I cannot help being a big dog. It is what I am. <laughs> <laughs> right, Robert, so let's move away then. Let's move away and let's talk about the biggest game of the season so far. Um, I'm going to give you the floor because a game similar to Celtic, we've maybe not had, and plus the fact that Hearts haven't been playing because they're doing a daft little mini-season this season. Um, we've not really heard much about Hearts on this podcast, which seems surreal considering it's sort of poisonously ran by Jambos and they seem to be in every corner of my life doing this podcast. But how's it going, Robert? What's, the, what's been positive about Hearts' start to this season? Quite, quite simply, Anthony, um, Hearts are a winning machine. Uh, they cannot lose games right now. And, you know, albeit that is against race rovers, our growth doesn't matter, right? Uh, Hearts, have, Hearts have won every single competitive game that they've played so far this season. They've done some with a bit of style. They've done some uh, digging it out a little bit more. Um, but it seems that after the uh, incredibly awful season that we had last year, both under Levine and then laterally under Stendhal as well, just a more exciting style of awful uh, under Stendhal. We've definitely got what we looked for in Robbie Nielsen, which was a safer pair of hands, which is someone who knows how to set up a team, uh, has a preferred formation and signs players to play in that formation. So you've got guys like uh, Gino Ginelli, um, you know, Jordan Roberts coming in as actual wingers to play in a 4 2 3 one You've got Andy Halliday coming in to play in the base of a 4 2 3 one You've got Stephen Kingsley coming in, a proper left-back. Uh, you've got another centre-half in Popescu who can play uh, in a two or a three because he's, he's quite good at playing football as well. So you've, you've seen that there's a lot more consistency about Harps um, and about how they're setting up and how they're playing just now. Um, so yeah, It kind of says how how well that formation has done in the few games that we've played so far and that Stephen Naismith hasn't played a single minute. He hasn't needed to. Jamie Walker stepped in there and been brilliant. Liam Boyce actually came back and played more of a 10 role uh, against Arbroath as well. So... I would say that, you know, it's, Hearts were always going to be favourites to win that league. I think that's not changed in the slightest. That will continue to be the case. You know, Dunfermline and Wraith Rovers have started well. Good for them. I don't think they're going to be as consistent as Hearts are over the season. 
Um, but I think the greatest test and the, easily the biggest test um, that, that we're going to have is this game that's coming up tomorrow uh, against Hibs, against the top flight side. Robbie Nielsen's been saying in the media this week, Hearts are a premiership side playing in the championship. I think if you look at the squad of players, if you look at the depth that they've got, um, then I, I don't think you can say he's wrong in the slightest. I think this Hearts team would be way better than the current St Mirren and Hamilton teams that are in the top flight. Um, and I think that yeah, tomorrow is going to be a huge test, especially with personnel potentially missing out through injury uh, and, and coming up against a, a really strong Hibs side as well. But what I would say is, generally, from the start of the season, uh, um, there's a lot more questions about the team, more cohesion about the team, and there seems to be a set plan. And, you know, forget about the, the quality of the players. That's something that Hearts have missed for two years, and that's something that's now come back in. I think that's a, a, a real key key part to what Robbie Nielsen's brought back. Right, lovely, Robert. And obviously, thanks for sort of treating the smaller clubs than Hearts with disdain, despite obviously supporting the fact that this podcast is meant to support the, the smaller clubs. Um, so that's good. The irony of the Jambos once again. Um, but, so let's go to these sort of pretend Check injuries. The power, the power of the host. <laughs> <laughs> let's, go to the, let's, let's go to these pretend injuries that Hearts have, that they seem to have every single derby since the dawn of time. So uh, Gino Ginelli, um, he, uh, he, was, sorry, he, wandered, he, he managed to stand up and walk off last week, didn't he, against Arbroath. And it's a muscle injury, but is it a fitness test that we're looking at here, Robert? Are you are you? Is, is doing some sort of to come off after the sixth minute against our growth just to sort of trick Jack <laughs> Ross and Hibbs into thinking he might not play. Um, there may be some Hibbs fans who feel that way. Anymore. <laughs> He's underhand. I'm not really Nielsen's way. Um, I, honestly, I'd be very surprised if Janelli plays. Um, I think it was his quad um, that he was feeling that he, that he tweaked. And I think that, you know, all, all fine well, you can probably start running on that after a couple of days, but when you come with the impact of, of kicking a ball and, and that movement in it as well, I just don't see how a guy who left the pitch on crutches this time last week can then play uh, in a huge game at Hamden a, a week later. So I don't see him playing um, personally. I, I'm just, I just don't see it happening. I think he maybe might make the bench, but I don't see him playing. Uh, Jamie Walker also picked up a knock in that game. Uh, he didn't train at the start of the week. Um, I'm not sure that there wasn't really an update on that thereafter. Uh, he hurt his calf um, again against our growth. And then you've got guys like Peter Haring, Stephen Naismith, who should be key parts of the spine of that team, uh, who have hardly really played um, since pre-season. Obviously, Peter Haring has barely played in the last 18 months. Uh, but Stephen Naismith sort of picked up a knock, uh, always picks up a knock. He's, he's permanently knocked. Uh, Stephen Nathan, but he's been struggling a wee bit more for, for game time at the start of the season so I don't know if we're just saving him for a big game like this he's, he is you know, the definition of a big game player uh, and I think he's the sort of guy that you'd want to have leading the team out at Hamden uh, having said that Jamie Walker's given Nielsen absolutely zero reason to drop him uh, so it'll be really interesting to see how that sort of three um, behind the striker lines up also you know, Robbie Nielsen has said that he's got no issue playing White and Ann Boyce as the two uh, they, they played like that towards the end of the Argos game and the movement of the two of them boys dropping deeper white and playing off the last man is basically what got Hearts a winning goal in the end so it, you know, they've shown that they can play as a two as well um, so you know classic Robbie Nielsen he doesn't tell the truth an awful lot when he speaks to the media uh, he keeps everyone guessing when it comes to lineups, uh, and I just hope that he has learned from the past whereby he starts teams worrying about the opposition rather than playing to our own strengths uh, I hope he does play to our own strengths and then obviously worries about Hibs thereafter. Um, so if you ask me to predict the lineup, I honestly I couldn't tell you it right now. I'm not sure. Um, it's, it's completely completely up in the air whether he plays both strikers or, or sticks to the 4 2 3 1 that he really likes. He also likes a three at the back. Played that against Reed Throwers in the Betfred Cup and it, it performed really well. So there's a lot of options, but. Yeah, you know, yeah. If if I had to guess, I'd say 4-2-3-1. Yeah, I was I was going to say that's, that's probably a really exciting part of the game before it is. I saw I was reading Nielsen's comments today, and he was and he mentioned that he'd be more than happy to go three at the back. He expects Hibs to go three at the back, which I'm not necessarily uh, in agreement with. I've got a feeling that Hibs might go four four two tomorrow. Uh, simply like in a tactical way, is I would say. Hearts have a strong team. I totally agree with you. There's no, no doubt they're at least a mid-table Premiership club uh, on paper. Anyway, uh, I'm 
and I would say that the strongest part of Hearts team would be the fullbacks. You've got Kingsley and you've got Michael Smith. So for two reasons, I think Hibs might end up, I know Murphy and Wright, at least one's meant to be uh, coming back. It sounds more like Murphy's the one that's going to be coming back in. I wouldn't be surprised if Hibs lined up 4-4-2 with Boyle and Murphy uh, and both are, uh, and maybe even in kind of, even though they're both like strongly attacking players, it might be quite a, uh, with the idea of pushing back Hart's fullbacks and not letting them get involved in the game quite as much. Louis Stevenson went off injured uh, at half time against Kilmarnock last week, so that would also give maybe a bit of protection for uh, Doig, as uh, he's going to be playing in at left back. And I've got a feeling that it could end up being a good old 4 4 2 battle with both just after reading sort of. Um, 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 Nielsen's comments that he isn't scared to go two up top and he might even start with a three but I'm sure Hearts are more than capable of shifting if they want to match up with Hibs at any time and that's how I sort of see the sort of tactical part of that game going uh, and part for that I mean Hibs the other questions would be maybe Stevie Mallon is another one that could end up playing if Hibs play three at the back you've got Mallon or Kyle McGuinness coming into play in a derby, I don't know if I love the idea of Stevie Mallon. Um, he has scored a long ranger at Easter Road. I do. I do. I'm, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Um, and obviously with a man who just really never considers anyone running past him being an issue at any point in a derby, we could maybe protect him in a 3-5-2 for that. He could play the role that maybe Scott Allen's more used to playing where he would have less responsibility. But I just don't. Stevie Mallon just is the least derby type starter at least off a bench maybe if we were chasing it for a goal definitely but I would be preferential not to how do you feel how are you feeling about sort of Dodge and Nisbet they've arguably been so in terms of a fearful side for Hearts they've arguably been the sort of best partnership uh, in the country this season and how do you how do you view Hearts coping with that sort of big man little man that we seem to have going on at the moment I, I just think Hearts are going to have to score more goals than Hibs. Um, to be honest with you, like against our growth, against Race Rovers, against uh, everyone so far this season, Hearts have given up big opportunities to the opposition. Um, that has been through a, a mixture of the, the defensive midfielders maybe not quite tracking them in uh, all that well, but Popescu does fill me with a, a little bit of fear. I think Craig Halkett, um, Craig Halkett's strong he's a solid centre-half he's a really good centre-half actually um, but I am worried about the centre-half partnership uh, I don't doubt that they're both decent defenders in their own way I just don't think that they have necessarily made themselves into a, a fearsome duo to come up against quite yet I think the movement of Nisbet uh, will be really key I think if it comes to an aerial battle um, then I, I fancy Halkett I always fancy Halkett in the air um, against the likes of Dodge but the movement and the, the, the sort of the movement coming off the wings as well. See if it is Murphy, Boyle, uh, these guys that can that can very very much come inside uh, oh. and give the centre halves that issue as well. I think Hearts are going to have to play with um, defensive midfielders who will probably know how to defend because there's a real possibility that Hibs front line, be it a three, be it a four, be it a two, uh, can overrun that Hearts defence. Um, so. You know the the fear factor is absolutely as you say it is. Uh, Nisbet and Deutsch are a fantastic partnership. Uh, Nisbet has been scoring for fun. Deutsch uh, maybe not scoring as much as the last season, but being incredibly effective as the foil for Nisbet in there as well. So I, I think that for for the result to go Hearts way, Nisbet and Deutsch either need to play badly or the Hearts defence need to have the game of their lives um, because it's. It's a really strong attacking option for Hibs. So you think, um, try to finish the midfield side, so you think, Jink, Irving, I would guess Irving would start then if you're looking for someone sort of with the legs and sort of defensive mobility. And then who would you be lining up beside them, Robert? You've got, you've got your funny face on. Tell me. Tell me where I'm wrong. Andrew Irving, I would start ahead of Ollie Lee. Um, not necessarily for the defensive side, just because I think he's probably a better player. Um, he's a, a Hearts fan, and we always know how good it is to have players who understand the game uh, playing in these matches as well. And he is a lot quicker over the ground than Ollie Lee is as well. So in terms of not necessarily being a hard-tackling defensive midfielder, he can track back against a, a really swift Hibs break a lot more effectively than Ollie Lee could. Alongside that, I mean, ideally I'd have Peter Haring, uh, but I just don't know if he's ready to be starting a game that will have the template that this one has. 
So you'd have to look at Andy Halliday uh, being the guy that, that comes in. Halliday was not very good against Arbroath um, at all, to be honest. Him and Ollie Lee was not a partnership. That was two, two footballers playing their own game. Uh, and that, that kind of annoyed me as well, to be honest with you, because they've had some time now to play with each other. And, and that midfield too is turning into a bit of an issue for us. Uh, Irving and Lee doesn't work together. Um, Lee and Halliday doesn't seem to work together we've not tried Irving and Halliday so give that a bash um, as I say that the best option there is Peter Haring 100% he's the best defensive midfielder Hearts have um, but I just don't know if it's uh, if he's quite ready for that kind of game quite yet so I'd say Ir- Irving and Halliday would be my preferred two yeah because I would say from a, Tony, from a, from a from a hips point of view, what's the you know like we've we've also said what we're kind of worry our worries are about the the what's the worry from a hips point of view? What are, is there anything you've seen in Hearts that you're like that like because I mean it's been it must be it's been a very very long time since uh, as good a side as Hearts are in the championship they are in the championship and Hibs have been very good this season so the the overwhelming favourites and it's been a long time since they've been such hot favourites. What is it? that's given you even a wee bit of the fear? Well, I always have the fear during my lifetime, for a start. Uh, especially, Hearts have normally got the better of Hibs in general, but also when Hibs are strong favourites, that's where it really seems to rear its ugly head uh, and really hit the bullets uh, towards Hibs from that. In terms of, the, I'm, the thing that I'd be scared of is the fact that Hearts now have width. Uh, that's something they, they really lacked last time. They were able to beat Hibs despite that last season, even though the first derby, I don't look at that too much because that was two poor football teams going up against each other. And, and, and it was sort of like two long-range shots, one for Malin, and then obviously the Hickey one taking the big deflection. That was just, that could any that could have went anyway and there was no real rhyme or reason to it. Uh, the third one though, I mean, the last derby, absolutely, that was, Hibs had a much stronger side and, and Hearts done a complete number on Hibs, but now looking at it from an actual genuine point of view, if they are able to get Ginelli and Roberts out there, obviously Doig is someone who's had a wonderful start and he looks great, his pace is good, he's confident on the ball, he's happy to have it, but he has struggled against sort of our better attacking fullbacks. Maybe if you're looking at, he had struggled against Tavernier, against Rangers, it was sort of one of Rossi's best decisions, I think, this season when he subbed off um, when he subbed Doig off for Stevenson and Hibs were able to build, he moved Nisbet out wide and Hibs were able to build back into the game and get that draw against Rangers. And then the next week at Parkhead, uh, Stevie would have saw, it was Frimpong gave Doig a bit of a, a run around and even when Celtic were playing poorly in the first half, Frimpong was the main outlet and it sort of came for him for the sort of crucial second goal before half time. So I think... They will, hearts will naturally look at that as a defensive weakness, if you like. And that's why I think they'll be desperate to get Ginelli on. And that's a big reason why I'm intrigued. I don't have the same fear of Elliot Freer. I'll just be brutally honest. I mean, it's not that he's like absolutely dreadful. It's just that he's... Yeah, to, be honest with you, Tony, to be honest with you, Tony, I think I probably have more fear of Elliot Freer playing in that game than you do. Um, <laughs> so, I because he's, he's had these moments and he's got he's got there's some sort of ability there but he's like a one in he's like a one in eight type of player like he'll get one good game amount of eight and it, and it can be fun to watch but um, he, I, I don't have any fear of him in a big game like that I would like have him stepping up so I think Ginelli's a big deal Roberts will be a big deal that's where it matters Boyce gives hearts obviously you're always going to be looking at a goal and I've got this disgusting feeling in my bones that Whiten's coming on, who's not a terribly great player. He's not had a terribly great career over the last three years, but again, that disgusting feeling that he's coming into form and he's going to go down as one of those cult heroes that Hearts have had through the years that he'll end up doing fuck all else the rest of this season. He'll be binned at the end of the season, but he'll get a pint in, in the diggers at any time he wants because he's managed to score a goal against Hibs in a Scottish Cup semi-final. So they, those sort of historic fears are there for me, Tom. And as I said, the more literal fears of um, sort of Hearts having much more power down the wing is because they've got two decent wide players and also two fullbacks. And I think they will be looking to get in behind and, and, and cause the ball for Hibs. Robert, how do you see it? How do you see it? You can give me a, a, a heart and a head answer if you really want to. No, no, no. I'll just play up to the fucking stereotype that I am and say that Hearts are going to win. Um, I think... 
So you're, you're saying that Whiten would be the, the sort of the unlikely hero um, of this game and, and your worst nightmare. I think it would be even more obscure than that. I reckon like a Ewan Henderson or okay. someone like that. Like someone, someone that just doesn't... Like Jamie Brandon coming off the bench <laughs> and scoring a raker or something. That, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Um, I think like... I don't know why I've had it in my head it'll go to extra time. Um, but I have, I've had that in my head pretty much since March, um, since this, this game was uh, obviously drawn out of the hat. So I think it will be um, a tight affair, but I think Hearts are going to squeeze it, mate. Hearts are going to do it, and it's going to be a 119th minute Jamie Brandon yeah. volley uh, that bounces <laughs> off the Hibs players on the way in. Uh, what I... yourself, um, How do you see it going? I know that Hibs fans are, are, are always a wee bit unsure about Derby, so I'm interested to see what you think about this. No, no, totally. That's obviously been the issue of sort of the last 30 years, is that, um, but that's maybe a beauty for Hibs is that there's no fans. And I think Hibs fans, in Derby's especially, are quick to turn on the players uh, and the nervousness of even when we play some of the worst Hearts teams. Uh, I mean, we saw, I mean, it was this day, was it not, the Ryan Stevenson goal? Uh, that's an that's terrible Hearts performance. And that was in, like, right the day before a derby to see that as a Hibs fan. You're like, oh no, that those things do happen quite a lot. Uh, and so you do you get that fear. But uh, I would like to think that Hibs don't have a soft centre anymore. I mean, defensively, Hibs have been the, arguably the, the, the sort of one of the best teams outside Rangers in the top flight. We've got clean sheets away in Perth, Tanadice, Rugby Park, Dingwall, uh, we've had clean sheet against Motherwell. Um, I mean, away from home, we've only conceded goals against Celtic at, at Parkhead and then against, uh, sorry, a penalty against Livingston uh, when we were already 3-0 up. So we're really solid and we're, the, the team seems to be solid regardless if it's a back four or a back three and they all seem really comfortable together and obviously Marciano's got a good relationship with the defenders. And big Papa Gogic coming in has really stopped that soft centre. I mean, last season, Hibs were losing goals constantly with teams just feeling like they were, especially with Heckenbottom, teams just waltzing right through the middle. It wasn't even many cross balls. They were just getting shots edge of the box. It was so easy for the teams to sort of get to that point. And Joe Newell is the, the biggest baller in the league now, if, if you ask me. Uh, and he can do absolutely everything. So with the fans not being there and that nervousness not coming to the pitch and Hibs being really, really strong uh, as a spine, which hasn't always been the case, I would really strongly think that Hibs do have what it takes to take this game. And we've also been involved in a lot of tight games and come out the other side. So that'll be a really positive for the mentality of the team, if you like. So I'm going to come with um, 1-0 Hibs, actually. Just 1-0 Hibs. After all that? After all that. After all that, I was we've got, we've got this spine. We've got everything to come up against Hearts. I'm going to go for a squeaky 1-0 win. Well, I'm just, I gave you the example. Oh, <laughs> all right, 4-0 Hibs after extra time because Hearts are tired and they bring Peter Harry. That's it. yourself. That's what we want to hear. Now we're talking. Now we just have to go with the nervousness of watching all, all these games alone in our bedrooms. Um, with sort of sad, sad San Miguel's in our hand. Uh, how are you going to be watching it, Stevie? For example, how are you going to be watching the um, the old Celtic game? I'll be. I'll just have it on in the in the house, just like everyone else. But oh. listen, I'll be fine as long as Mohamed El Yunus is on the pitch. As long as my soldier of Allah is doing the business, and so what, Tony? Can't say fairer than that. Tom, you, do you have, I don't know what your living arrangements are, so are you stuck at home just by yourself or do you have anyone that's able, have you got anyone to come? Dads, you're not allowed to do anything, are you? Let's be honest. No, I'm not allowed to do anything. I'll be, I'll be doing, I'll be watching it the same as I watch every other Aberdeen game, stripped to the waist with a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, uh, that's, that's good for me for a Friday night. That's my material. And Robert Borthwick, do you, do you the same? Do any of your girlfriends like football or wives, brothers, anyone have anyone that they can watch these games with? So my, uh, my flatmate, Nicole, is a jambo. So the, the, two us, the two of us can watch it. Um, and, and yeah, see, see how that goes. I think I'm, I'm going to be on a, like a Zoom call with my mates beforehand as well, having a bevy. Um, so you know, try, try and get some sort of atmosphere uh, about the place. But you know, 
it's just like the build-up's been rubbish. Let's be honest, okay. it's been rubbish. But I need I need tomorrow to be a, a good day. Uh, you know, go down and get my my Kansas San Miguel from Sainsbury's and uh, just start hitting them at like ten a.m. That's that's the plan. I'm getting jealous of my pals. Um, I've got two friends who are a Hibs and a Hearts fan, and they are sort of living together, and they're going to have to watch the game together. But you get jealous because, yes, some of us, like you've got a flatmate, so with the weekends you can have drinks and watch a football and enjoy. And then the rest of us, I'd say my fiancé isn't into football really at all. And I was about to say, like, I get to have sex, which you might not get to quite so feverishly, but that isn't necessarily true either. Um, so... <laughs> And I also just say um, I get to watch the game. My girlfriend's a big Celtic fan. Like me, she turns up, watches games in Celtic memorabilia. So we are very much an only an excuse couple. We give them all the gags and that is what we are. <laughs> that's bro. No, that's, see, I, I really am jealous because watching a derby alone in my room is hell. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I can put the Zoom on. I'll try it. I was really thinking about breaking rules and trying to get into Fife and stuff. Like that. I really, really was thinking and I've not done it. But um, I'll just sit with anxiety for a few hours. I'll just be like having the fear after every weekend for the last sort of 15 years, really. Anyway, um, <laughs> thank you all very much for joining us. Thanks very much for listening. I'm sure most people know all the stuff at Terrace Podcast for the Twitter, at Terrace Podcast for I hear stuff about Instagram. I've not looked at it. I assume it is real and that other people are actually doing it. Um, and we've got Patreon there's content going up every single day so please go over and listen to all that Stevie say goodbye goodbye everyone Robert Bothwick goodbye and Sir Thomas of Watt lovely to hear you thank you Sports Social Podcast Network with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.